Good morning. Our passage today is Luke 1, 39 through 56. A few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived. She entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leapt within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. And Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. Today's account in the Gospel of Luke is the meeting of two pregnant women. Feels appropriate that Natalie Comstock read that passage because Natalie is pregnant right here. So shout out to Natalie and her husband, Neil, who will be expecting a little one in 2023. I think I was okay to say that, right? I'm good? Okay, okay. <laughs> It's a great passage we have here today in this Advent week three joy. As these two women come together, really the theme, the tone of their encounter and their conversation is joyful. It's ecstatic joy. It's I can't believe this is happening. God, who are we? We just have to say thank you. We are so joyful. And so I pray that that's even the tone that you receive this passage in today. I pray too that as we leave here on this dreary, rainy day in the middle of December, hello to all the ducks in the courtyard. <laughs> hello to all of you who couldn't make it out of your home this morning. But I pray wherever we receive this message that just the Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will fill your heart, your mind with joy. Here in Luke 1, we see... An old woman, Elizabeth, who has no child, has no children yet. And then we see a young woman, Mary, who has no husband. <laughs> They're both lacking something pretty important in this whole scene and story. And yet God in his providence, in his sovereignty, has allowed both of them to be pregnant. It's an amazing story. These Kind of two, if I could even say, obscure Jewish women outside of Jerusalem in the hill country of Judea having God show up and do miraculous things for them. Ordinary women 
an extraordinary God. Amen? Amen. That's our stories too. We're ordinary people serving and following an extraordinary God. And therefore, we have joy. We see in verse 44, if you even just have your Bibles on your phone or if you're holding your physical Bible, look at verse 44 for a moment. You see Elizabeth proclaim these words. She says, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. And then a couple verses down, look at verse 46. Mary responds, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. Joy is the serious business of heaven. If you were to be transported right now into the throne room of God in heaven, you would experience obvious joy. Joy is just part of what eternity with God is all about. In fact, in the scriptures to help even communicate God's heart of joy, the word joy is mentioned, and by my count, I may be off by one or two, 333 times. This word joy is mentioned both Old and New Testament. This is an attribute, a characteristic of God that we need to pay attention to. In 2022, joy has been a theme here at Calvary Church. In April and May, we did a whole Sunday sermon series talking about God joy. And my buddy, I don't know if you've heard of him, Eric, he wrote this book, <laughs> God Joy, which you can still pick up in our bookstore today. All proceeds go to even serving in our ministry with refugees, which is really cool. But we talked through this throughout this year, this idea of joy, which seems a little interesting, ironic, that we would choose the theme of joy for 2022 in the midst of a year that hasn't necessarily felt very joyful. Just look at what happened in February with uh, the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the devastation that we've watched from the comfort of our own living rooms and computer screens uh, of what's happened in that region in 2022. I don't know if you remember, it hasn't been that many months ago, but even the beginning of 2022, we had this mass kind of group of people that all got COVID at the same time and we were back to masks at the beginning of this new year. The American Pediatric Association, just in October, two months ago, proclaimed that we have a mental health crisis among teens in 2022. If you look at the financial sectors of uh, the world right now. You see a lot of red. I read that um, the average 401k has dropped 23% from where it was last year. And so you look at this idea of here at Calvary, 2022, joy, joy. <laughs> and then you look at the headlines of our world and you see anything but joy. So are we crazy? Do we just like gather here on Sundays and just kind of make up, like put on a happy face? Like, let's be joyful, even despite what awaits us out there. 
No. We believe that in, even in the midst of suffering, in the midst of trials, in the midst of hard things, we can cling to joy because we follow something, or better yet, we follow someone who has defeated death, overcome sin through his death, life, and his resurrection. The book of Hebrews says it so well. It says, for the joy set before him, he, Jesus, endured the cross. So you and I, even in the midst of hard things, for the joy set ahead of us because of Jesus, through Jesus, we can endure. And so let's just hold on to that this third week of Advent here in December of 2022. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, jumping to the cross. Let's go back to the birth story here. Verse 39 through 56 here of Luke chapter 1. See this great story of Mary and Elizabeth meeting together, hillside of uh, the Judean countryside. I think it's kind of interesting if you even were to look at a map. I've never even considered this before as I've read this story many, many times. And maybe you've never thought of this too. But as Mary went to go visit her relative Elizabeth, she traveled over 100 miles to go see her. So this wasn't like Mary stepped out of her front door and went down the block. She went over 100 miles. This would be from Calvary Santa Ana, and I Googled this, to Barstow. This would be from Calvary Santa Ana to Ventura. If Pablo Pasmino, one of our uh, field workers in Ecuador is watching this, Pablo, this would be from Guayaquil, Ecuador, where you live, to Monte Verde on the coast of Ecuador. And so this is a journey. I mean, think about jumping in your car right now and driving to Barstow. I mean, who would want to do that, number one? <laughs> but secondly, like, that's a little bit of a journey. And here in the first century, Mary's taking this 100-mile journey to go visit her relative, and it was not an easy way to get there. Probably some places that she needed to avoid because they were dangerous. Probably needed to find a place to stay on the way as she couldn't make this journey in one day. There's no Airbnbs, there's no quality inns. She has to figure out how to stay and lodge and, and then eventually get there. One idea is maybe Mary and her family, because she didn't travel alone. The scripture doesn't tell us that, but she had to have had other people go with her. Probably, I'm guessing, her parents. So she travels from way up in Nazareth all the way down to this place southeast of Jerusalem. Maybe she was going to Jerusalem already, her family was, for some religious festival or experience. We don't know, the scripture doesn't tell us exactly, but what we do know is she traveled a long way to go see her relative. How do we know that Elizabeth is a relative? Well, earlier in the chapter of Luke 1, it uses this term relative. Maybe a cousin, doesn't really say. Just there was some blood relation between Elizabeth and Mary. 
Were they close? I don't know. Probably not because they were from different generations. So Elizabeth is old, never having kids, married to one of the priests that served in the temple over in Jerusalem. Mary is young, lives 100 miles away. They probably didn't have um, many opportunities to interact. They were from different generations. And yet they have this encounter here in Luke chapter 1. Now, we read last week that Mary, when Gabriel shows up to her, responds to the angel by saying, basically, I will do as God calls me to do. I will be faithful. I will walk in obedience. And it's pretty incredible. Just her seemingly instant response, her instant obedience to God's crazy, amazing call on her life. But I want you to note here in chapter 1, verse 39, that Mary tests Gabriel's message. The reason that she travels this 100 miles to go visit her relative is not so they can just knit together and talk about what the baby room is going to look like. The reason that she travels immediately and quickly, it says in the text, to go see her relative is she wants to test Did what Gabriel the angel on behalf of God tell me, is this really true? Because if you remember from last week, Gabriel the angel said, oh, by the way, Mary, as I tell you this crazy news that you're a virgin and you're going to give birth to the Messiah, well, guess what? Your relative Elizabeth is also six months pregnant. And so Mary goes to see Elizabeth to verify the claims of the angel. I think this is actually a good test for all of us. If you ever hear from God, if you ever have somebody that that shares a word of God with you, it's always wise to test that word by going to the word and examining is what I've received, is this congruent, Is is this line up with what the scriptures say? Even to ask other people, hey, I'm getting this impression that God's calling me to do this. Or or this other person's told me that they believe that that God has this for me. Do you see that in my life too? I think those are wise checks in, in our faith journey. And so this is what Mary does. She goes to Elizabeth to test out. Could could her elderly barren relative really, really be pregnant? And then look get back again at verse 44 of Luke chapter 1. It's verified when Elizabeth says this, when I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. Now, I've never been pregnant, so I need to ask some of you that have been pregnant. What do you think that would be like? What would it feel like to have a baby in the womb jump for joy? (laughs) What would that feel like, be like, It's kind of crazy to think about. I want you to notice here as it says that the baby inside Elizabeth jumped for joy. That this baby from the very beginning, which we now would know as we read the passage later, is John the Baptist. 
John from in the womb is already proclaiming and exclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. He is already the forerunner. He's already the cheerleader of the Messiah Jesus to come. Notice that in the womb, the, the two babies aren't competing. You know, you have in the Old Testament, you have Jacob and Esau, twins. And it says in the scripture that they wrestled in the womb. Here is John the Baptist, Mary carrying Jesus. There's no wrestling match, no competition. JTB, as Eric calls him in God joy, <laughs> from the very beginning is saying it's about Jesus. John the Baptist in a different gospel in, in John chapter one, verse 29, he says it like this. As an adult, John says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What a great model for us. John the Baptist, forerunner of Jesus, predicted to be the one who would come and make the way, the path clear for the Messiah, pointing to Jesus. From the womb to his martyrdom, John the Baptist points to Jesus. Don't you want that in your life? Don't you want every breath, every moment of your life to proclaim and exclaim that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world? May that be so. May our lives and whatever we do, they don't have to be a field worker overseas, although that's awesome. You don't have to be a pastor at a church, although that's great. Whatever we do, may we proclaim Jesus, that he has come, that he has died, and that he has rose again. So that's John the Baptist from the womb, jumping for joy, pointing to Jesus. And now Mary realizes what Gabriel said has been confirmed. This is really happening. I am involved somehow, some way. This obscure Jewish teenage girl from this small little town of Nazareth, somehow I am involved in the coming of the Messiah. And she says this in Luke chapter 1, 46 through 47. Oh, how my soul praises that word can also be translated magnifies, glorifies the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She gets it. It's starting to sink in even more and more for Mary. That, that she's involved in this. The next few verses are typically called Mary's Magnificat. Mary's Magnify. Mary's Son of Praise. It mirrors what Hannah says in 1 Samuel chapter 2. If you remember back in the Old Testament, Hannah was in the temple praying for a baby. She was not allowed to conceive. And so she's like, God, please give me a child. And if you give me a child, I will allow him and I will even open my hands and say, God, use him for your service for the rest of his life. So that's Hannah's proclamation, and she has this beautiful song in 1 Samuel 2. Now here's Mary, knowing the scriptures, 
knowing the Messiah is to come, knowing even Hannah's story, and Mary mirrors some of the same language and words of Hannah and saying, God, this child is your gift and I will hold it loosely for this child will serve unto your name. Right there, I just even wanna like encourage high school students, middle school students, high school students, college students. Like Mary knew the word of God. She understood it. She took it seriously. She was maybe 14. She, she was just entering into puberty or, or kind of 15, 16, 17. She was a young girl. She took the word of God at face value. She took it seriously. She lived it out. She knew it. She's quoting here from 1 Samuel chapter 2. What a great example for any of our students. What a great example for me. As Mary responds with this beautiful song of praise. The first few verses of this, of this song, she just says, God, thank you for the grace that you've given me. I'm a lowly servant girl. And she just praises God for his grace and allowing her to be part of this story. The second half of the song praises God for his grace to the nation of Israel. This nation, as even Eric said in our Advent arrival waiting period, this nation was waiting and waiting and waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. And Mary in this song praises God for his grace that now is the time the wait is over, the Messiah has come. And she just joyfully, joyfully praises, oh God, oh God, my spirit rejoices in my Savior. Now, just something maybe obvious to point out as uh, if you've been around Calvary for a while, but maybe if you've come from a Roman Catholic background where there's some confusion about Mary's role in, in this story and, and even in just our view of God. Mary is not to be worshipped. You even see her song right here. Mary is a servant of God. Is she an example? Yes. Is she a model of discipleship, of, of following God? Yes. We should be inspired and encouraged by that. But I've also been in situations, I was at a, a, a mass for a wedding, a wedding mass, and the couple went over and spent time praying to Mary in, in the midst of their wedding ceremony. I've also been at a funeral mass where the name of Mary was mentioned more than the name of Jesus. And as you look at the scriptures, if Mary was here today, she would say, no, 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 no. This is all about the one I'm carrying. This is all about the Savior who has come. I just get to play a role in this, just like John the Baptist gets to play a role in this. But sometimes I think as a non-denominational church, we can go to extremes. And because maybe we've grown up in the past or we've had friends who have taken their worship and moved it over to Mary, we've, on the other hand, kind of just dismissed Mary as just a minor player in the story. 
But if you look here in Luke 1, and as you even look throughout the Gospels, what a faithful life. Saying yes to God, obeying God, knowing his word, and then not even knowing all of the steps and chapters that were to be written, but joyfully saying, God, I rejoice in you. Your story. You don't know the next chapter. You don't know the steps that God has for you in 2023. But can you say like Mary, my spirit rejoices in you. That's my prayer for my life. That's my prayer for each of you, my brothers and sisters. I love this quote from Ray Fowler, pastor. He says, if you're a believer in Jesus, you can sing Mary's song too. For you share Mary's testimony. No, God did not appear to you through an angel and tell you that you're going to give birth to the Messiah. But God has come to you offering salvation through Jesus. Not because you are anything important or special in this life, but simply because he loves you. The joy of new birth. Mary and Elizabeth experience joy together. Mary's confirmation that what God said is really going to happen. Elizabeth, filled with the spirit, the scripture said, proclaiming that, that Mary is, is going to have a child that's going to change the world. The interaction they have of just joy in that moment. New life that's going to give new life. You see, that's our story too, right? Because of Jesus, we have new life. The joy of new life. We have new birth. Because of the birth of Jesus, we have new birth in him. We were dead in our transgressions. We were separated in relationship with God. And then when you placed your faith in Jesus at the age of seven, or at the age of 17, or at the age of 70, whenever it was for you, you experience the joy of new life, of new birth. And so here's our response on this third week of Advent. Number one, have you experienced new life? Maybe you're sitting here, or you're watching today, and you're like, I don't know. Let today be the day you place your faith in Jesus Christ and say, God, Thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place. I deserve hell for my sins. But because you've sent Jesus into this world to live the life I couldn't live, to die the death I deserve, I can be made new. I can have the joy of new life. Let that be your prayer today and experience new birth, new life in Jesus Christ. I also want us to even think through Mary and Elizabeth and the joy they experienced together of, of realizing that God was working in their midst. That's why we need each other. That's why Christianity following Jesus is not meant to be a solo sport. It's meant to be done in community. It's meant to gather together even in the rain and say, this is the joy that I've seen God do in my life. Here's the joy I have in seeing God work in your life. Let's experience joy together. And then finally, a response could be like this. 
Maybe you just feel beat up right now. You feel beat up by 2022. You've lost a little bit of joy. Just even want to pray this morning, even as David does in the Psalms, God, restore my joy. This Christmas season, may I experience joy, not just in a feeling, but in a person, Jesus. And so where are you at with that as you consider this response from Luke chapter 1? We're going to sing a song right now that we all know. It's called Joy to the World. Have you heard of it before? <laughs> it was written by Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts had an interesting life. Isaac Watts was about five foot tall. Isaac Watts was described, and I'm just going to um, say it how the uh, uh, author wrote it. Isaac Watts was described as being odd looking. He's five foot tall, and they said his head was bigger than his body. And he had strange looking eyes. There was actually a woman that fell in love with him just by seeing and reading his poems. But when she met him, she ran away. <laughs> Isaac Watts never married. Isaac Watts wrote these hymns that in his day were considered scandalous because they were in a new style that no one liked. Give us those old songs, not Isaac Watts songs. And through God's grace, Isaac was able to say, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let's sing that after I pray. Father, thank you that we can have God joy. Thank you that you really did come. Thank you that even the story of Elizabeth and Mary just once again confirms how you've changed not just their lives, but our lives, given us new life, new birth in you. So God, may our song be joy. In Jesus' name, amen.